Welcome to New Life Baptist Church, where we grow in discipleship, we grow in relationships, and we grow in Jesus Christ. In this series, we'll be looking at the five solas. These are foundational to our Christian faith, and they served as five points of the Protestant Reformation. We hope that you join us and subscribe so that you don't miss a single sermon. We are continuing our study of the timeless truths that have become foundational to our faith. The five solas, or five alones, have served to invigorate the church, and they reformed the church out of the medieval times of Roman Catholicism. But this morning, we're looking at this doctrine of sola fide. We are saved by faith alone. More specifically, justification comes by faith alone. And so Romans 1, uh, verse 16 through 17, is going to serve as our text. I invite you to stand as we read together from God's Word. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it's written, the just shall live by faith. Father, we come to you and we, Lord, we're just going to ask that you forgive our lack of faith. Lord, that you would show yourself to us. You would grant us an increased faith. Father, that we would come to trust you. This is such an important point in our study And Father, if anyone here has not put faith in you through your Son, Jesus Christ, that that would happen this morning. Father, we move forward in faith, trusting you will reveal yourself to us. You will move and, and let us experience you this morning in your word. Father, that you would equip us also to take this word with us this week. That more in our community would put their trust and their faith in Christ Jesus. It's in his precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we've been studying these five solas, these just foundational points of truth so far. This Soul, uh, sola, scriptura, uh, sola scriptura, sorry, sola gratia, sola fide. Scripture is our authority. We're saved by grace alone. This morning we're looking at being saved by faith alone. So because these really came to us or were coined during that time of the Reformation, that's 
some of the names we're bringing up is just 16th century church history. Well, Martin Luther said, Sola Fide, he called this the article with and by which the church stands, without which it falls. The English reformer agreed, he said, the doctrine of justification is the principal ground on which religion must be supported. Now, you've got an old terminology becomes extremely important, and we'll discuss that a little bit later. But at the start, we need to lay some important groundwork to understand what it is that faith accomplishes for the believer. Paul, more or less in our passage, says that the power of God unto salvation begins and ends with faith. From faith to faith. The whole matter is wrapped up in what we're talking about this morning. Salvation, the gospel, it hinges on a correct understanding of this aspect of Christian belief. And so there's a, an outline in the back of the bulletin. That's what I'll be following. You're welcome to scribble it up and, and make notes or, or whatever scriptures that we use. The first thing we need to look at is faith is the means of justification. Not just as a means of justification. Faith is the, the means of justification. What's hopefully clear to all of us is that every person, every person here, every person on earth is in great need of salvation. All of us have sinned. We're all equally sinful. The only way, the only way this can occur, the only way a sinner can come into the presence of a holy judge is to be justified. Simply put, this justification is when a sinner is acquitted of their sin. Think of that, that, that judgment standing in a courtroom. To be justified is to be declared righteous before God. It's a legal term. It's a formal term. Or a forensic term, however you want to put it, is whenever we are declared righteous, your status as a sinner, you're all there, just in case you're not sure, you're a sinner, your status changes before God. How does that happen? By faith. This is, the, the others were more factual. This is going to get personal for us. And this has not been made more clear than in Romans 3, 21 through 31. So if you, you might have to turn one page, and I want us to read some of what oftentimes, whenever we look at that, we've seen a pattern here. We see this written in the first chapter. Well, our good and godly and inspired writers of Scripture seem to expand that force and explain what they're talking about. Paul does just that in Romans chapter 3. Let's. Look at that together. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified... 
freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It's excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay, but of the law, by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also, seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid, yea, we establish the law. Wow. Faith is the only Sufficient means for salvation. And we see in that text, faith is what was promised amid the Old Covenant. We read all the way through the Old Testament. It's all faith that that is drawing us in and pointing us to. And faith is what is accomplished in those works of the New Covenant through Jesus Christ. That's what is going on. And it's some of what Paul is alluding to in his statement from faith to faith. This is all the purposes of God accomplished through faith. So understanding that is the, the means for justification, I want us to view faith as a conduit of grace. If you don't know what that is, think of a passageway, a channel. Conduit is literally what you run your electrical wires through. It's what Chad and Nathan have been slaving over at the association building in Hardensburg. Um, and so run for it's, it's to protect, to hold. It's, we might think of our plumbing, and we'll use some of that example here very soon. But the text from last week works great at this point. We were in Ephesians chapter 2. You are saved by grace through faith. It's still by grace that we're saved. But that grace comes to us through a conduit called faith. Imagine yourself building that house. Many of us have grown accustomed to indoor plumbing. We like uh, hot showers and clean laundry. Um, and so when you're building your house, you want to run water to your house. It's probably fair to say that you need water. Um, and so it's this plumbing that's going to bring it to us. We need plumbing, right? That plumbing, those pipes are what are going is what is going to run that water underground in your walls into each one of those appliances that need that water. Your showers, washers. This is like God's grace unto salvation. We can't expect that God just dumps out waters of grace in sloppy fashion any more than you get the water in your house from 
the hydrant at the street, there's a conduit. And so this made me think of something this week. This past week, we went on our trip, and I've told you about that. And so some of this, it just occurs to me. On our way back through, we wanted to try to shorten the trip. It was a little bit long for us. And so we made a stop in Atlanta at the Georgia Aquarium. At this aquarium, they, they had like a dolphin show. Um, and so we went in. It was free. It was all part of it. We go into the dolphin show. Well, it wasn't free, but... Yeah, now let's not let's be speak truth from the pulpit here. The uh, it was included in a ticket, but we went to this dolphin show. Everybody took their seats and we filtered in, and then they come in and as they started their presentation, they warned everyone of what they called their wet zone. The first ten rows of seating, they was pretty sure to get wet. They said, "You might need to make your adjustments now." And a, and a great deal of people got up and moved seats, uh, counting back their ten rows. Well, the most interesting thing happened. The dolphins did not, uh, they did not leave anyone disappointed. They were very intentional. I've been to a show like that before with whales. Well, dolphins, boy, they're talented. And they made sure that they flung water across every inch of that glass. But do you want to know something? That water didn't stop at ten rows like they said it would. And the reality is, is it is very possible that there was a seat or two down there in that section that was dry. It could have been that there were some children in the audience who didn't get quite as wet as they had hoped for. And I can assure you that there were some parents that did not move as far up as they should have. God's grace is not that way. There are none. There are none who despise the grace of God who maybe wanted to move up out of the seating. They wanted to stay outside of that household of God. There are none who despise the grace of God and are yet somehow saturated with it. There are none who hope to receive God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ and are left destitute. It's not like that dolphin show. We've got a clear path, a clear way to receive the grace of God, and it comes to us through faith. That's what the Word tells us. Either, you get, either, either it is piped into your life or it is not. That conduit is faith. God is not sloppy in His administrations. His grace is channeled, so to speak, through faith. Any who are to receive His grace must have faith. All who have faith are sure to receive His grace. So like our example, the house that's properly plumbed has a healthy water supply. And surely you will not have water, and I'm sure you don't want water, in your house without plumbing. Faith is the only means. It is the plumbing 
by which we receive God's grace in justification. So look, there's three elements of faith that I want to look at. So far, we've heard some pretty good news, honestly. We've talked about God's grace coming to us, us being justified, declared righteous for us on our behalf before God by Christ. This is good news so long as we learn how to apply it. It's good news that we've got water so long as we actually got the plumbing. We're surrounded with those who promise us they have faith. Our faith is legitimate. It's good enough. Uh, we say this from any, any denominational standing or whatever our background or experience is. Surely, even in the Reformation, we're talking about a you know, Reformation language here. Even the Roman Catholics would have argued this to the Reformers. Yes, we have faith. Um, and so we have to ask ourselves the question, how do we describe faith, a legitimate faith? What is it that makes faith, faith? Well, there's three, ele- three elements that I want to touch on. Knowledge, assent, and volition. And I'll explain those first. You've got to have a basic knowledge of Christ before you're able to believe in Him. Looking at our metaphor, you've you got to have pipes before you can have plumbing. Um, Paul puts it this way. In Romans 10, 14, he asks this rhetorical question, how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? Of course they can't. He goes on and and says, well, how will they hear unless someone preaches? And how will they preach unless someone is sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who carry the good news. You've got to hear about Christ. You know, this, um, this makes our evangelism important. We can't expect those who have never heard the gospel to then be saved by it. And this answers the hard question that the skeptics often give us. And part of what I want to do today is is not just to help us or make us feel good. I want to give us the tools and what it takes when we're talking with those around us about this faith that's so important to us. You ever heard those people that say, well, what about those far-off tribes in Africa? Anybody heard that? I'm going to tell you what. We've got our answer. If you've got no knowledge of Christ, you've got no salvation. You know, sometimes people try to answer this question with a counterfeit grace. Or they want to be lazy Christians. It's very important, brothers and sisters, if you know someone who does not have faith, that you tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're not called to keep this to ourselves. Don't be lazy. Don't despise the grace of God. He's given it to you. And if there's a problem with the, the tribes in Africa, and if your heart is burdened for the tribes in Africa, guess what you need to do? You need to pack your bags, friend. Because this matters. This gospel matters. This is the way the the apostles believed. We can't keep our mouths shut. Even before Christ. In all of this. The word of God being like fire shut up on our bones. When we realize our condition, we evangelize. That is our response. We don't put God on trial. 
We share our faith. As a matter of fact, Paul makes clear, we're not going to go there, but in Romans 1 and 2, you might jot that down and read it later. These far off souls, they've got knowledge of God, but it's only enough knowledge to, so that they're justly condemned. The believers must have a knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I might add, we must take it to them. And so a knowledge of God's important, but we need assent. The believer must give their assent to the knowledge they possess. It's not enough to know the basics. You've got to affirm it to be true. So to stick with our example... You could have a whole stack of plumbing sitting in the yard and it still doesn't do you any good, does it? You've got the baby, you've got all that you need, but it's got to be put, brought into the house. You've got to make those connections. Some people call this having a head knowledge. There's a number of people who've heard the facts. They know the events that accomplish the redemptive purposes of God, but they just don't believe them to be true. Well, that doesn't save us either. And surprisingly, there actually is one odd circumstance that I have encountered also that's equally worthless. One man I speak to that, that reads his Bible and he has had serious doubts about their factuality. He just doesn't think that it's true, but he's going to choose, it to, believe it, choose to believe it anyway. This isn't faith, that's superstition. This don't make you saved, it makes you a fool. We believe in a gospel that we hold to be true. We read that in scripture. And so, we believe this word to be true. Our Savior was the way, the truth, and the life. The last one there, volition. That's not a term we always use. This word means simply to imply an act of the heart. This brings our personal longing for Christ into the formula. When our plumbing is properly installed, we've got the plumbing, we've installed it in the house. Do you got water? No. You've got to do your checks, and finally, you have to faithfully turn the valve. You got to bring it in. You got to accept what it is you want because we realize the goal isn't plumbing, the goal is water. So it's not enough to know the events of Christ's life and God's redemptive story. It's not enough to believe that it's true. As a matter of fact, the demons believed in this capacity and shuddered. We know about Christ, we affirm all of His word to be true, and further, we desire Him. As our Savior. This is where it is fully applied. The completing element of faith is to accept the truths of God, have them applied to our own life and condition. So we have knowledge, assent, and volition, desire, this decision that we make. This is all faith. They're all present in the saving faith of the Christian. Now there's a final section here, and this is where I really want you to pay attention. These are objections to this doctrine, because there are many. It's the whole point. It's the reason there was the, 
the most lasting and the longest lasting schism of the church ever in all of history in the Protestant Reformation took place are because of some of these objections. So when studying this reality of justification through faith alone, there's a number of misunderstandings that you might encounter. I want to help you with a couple of those. One is faith and works. We've spent some time in study on this, but someone might go to James 2.21. We've actually studied in James not that long ago. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar? That gives us a problem, doesn't it? Well, it seems that it does. We studied James and we know that being saved through faith alone never entails a faith that is ever alone. Faith is always accompanied by works. Still, this is worth a closer look. Romans 4.3, you might jot this down, recounts the same event. We have James, James looking to Abraham offering Isaac. Paul looks to the same event and says Abraham's faith was counted to him as righteousness. What are we to make of these two verses? Abraham offers his son. His faith has counted him as righteousness. James says, well, it's his works. Was he not justified by his works in offering his son? You know, this dilemma is only possible out of context. It makes no sense when you actually read your Bible. We already know that we have a lack of merit. We already know that it's by God's grace that he achieves this justification of our lives, uh, not of works that no man may boast from our Ephesians 2 passage. We read that last week. Hebrews 11 showcases us. It's known as the hall of faith in all of Scripture. It showcases a long list of examples in which God's grace was made manifest through faith as they looked toward Christ. And that passage in James is actually considering the full work of God's grace in the life of the believer. Again, we're not desiring to have plumbing. We want water. Faith is not the goal. People have fooled themselves. Well, I got faith. They got faith, but they don't know in what. Or it's in the wrong thing. We need faith in God through Jesus Christ. The goal is God through Jesus Christ, through the Son. And so it is the means of justification. Maybe some of you all might think of those old steel pipes in a home full of sludge. Those don't do you much good, do they? I've had those plug lines. They're about as good as a person who claims faith but refuses to allow God by His grace to have His way in Him. It's not faith at all. We say faith alone. We realize that is a faith that works. Issue resolved. There's another issue that sometimes plagues us Christians whenever we're talking about this matters of faith and salvation by faith alone. And that's just a simple difference in terminology. And it was true in the 16th century. There's a vast difference 
that those around us may have in what they understand uh, these words to mean. And it's especially true uh, with our Roman Catholic friends, um, people that we hold dear to us. This is still this still exists in us and has only been solidified through through the, the Reformation and through their counter-Reformation. And I want to explain that because we love our Catholic family and our Catholic friends. If we're not careful in conversation and in our evangelism, we might even find ourselves a little bit confused on what's going on. The way you've heard your pastor describe justification and, and the way that you're having or you're hearing it described by your friends. Even in the discussion, we talked about uh, faith and works. You might realize that faith is being counted as a work in and of itself. And that can confuse us. But I want to challenge you. Think of faith as a work. And then go back to that troublesome passage in James 2. It might read instead something like this. Show me your work plus works, and I will show you my work plus works. Work without works is dead. Well, that just doesn't make sense, does it? You know, we as Christians have to make the same distinctions that the Bible makes between faith and works. And additionally, we've got to agree with Scripture that justification comes by faith and not works. I think that I might have left off. Um, well, not yet. Not yet. Our, our justification comes by faith and not works. We had mentioned some of the reformers. John Calvin, the English one. He rebutted and he also assured his Catholic hearers. He said, we dream not of a faith which is devoid of good works nor of a justification which can exist without them. While we acknowledge that faith and works are necessarily connected, we, however, place justification in faith, not works. Folks, that's what the Bible preaches, is justification by faith alone. So this other term that I was thinking of, this might leave us on unlevel ground when we're talking with our friends is this word justification. In the Catholic mind, justification, and I'm just picking on Catholics because this is Reformation language, okay? Justification in the Catholic mind is something that begins with Christ and then it continues through the life of of the believer. It really sounds a lot like our sanctification, what we read Martin Luther calling sanctification, or Paul in Scripture referring to sanctification, which is that ongoing work of grace as he makes us to be righteous, as he as Christ lives in us. The trouble is, is that on both sides of the fence, we recognize. That our salvation, the way a person is saved, is by justification. So now that here's the question. Does justification occur in the finished work of Christ? Or does justification occur over time? 
through the way that we live. And so here was the gist of the argument. The Catholic has taken the position that leaves the work of Christ undone. It's not yet finished. Now, now I want to be clear. I think a, the Catholic would agree. Many of us would come out of Catholic backgrounds or have Catholic family. They would agree. I want to be fair here. I mean, no disrespect. And while such a view that, is so, that this work is undone, it might motivate some to hold it, pursue holiness, or maybe that is the hope. What we find it does is it corrupts the legitimacy of the gospel. They preach a gospel that does not save. In this gospel, Jesus opens the door. He paves the way. He gives the tickets, but He does not effectually save. That work is on you. Again, the point is this. For you all, is you cannot rely on your use of terms to convey what, what you mean. We have to be careful. We as Christians need to be careful in our evangelism so that we love others well in presenting clear truths. There is no battle. There is no turf war to be won on this earth. It, none of that matters. It does not matter whatever reformation. What matters is that souls are saved. That people put their faith in Jesus Christ and I don't care what pew they're sitting in. This is why we insist that salvation is by and this justification before God is by faith and faith alone. So to date... We recognize in our study these truths are evident in Scripture. We've, we've looked at the Word of God. We know we've seen it in Scripture and we learn what is that? Our sole authority for all matters of salvation, for life and godliness. Scripture is true. We know that our only hope of salvation comes by God's grace. He is the giver of salvation. He's the author of our redemption. We only have Him to think, not you or me or anyone else. It is God's grace alone by which we're saved. And that comes to us, brothers and sisters, through faith alone. It's the only way you're going to receive this grace that we've been talking about. And next week we're going to see how all of that is accomplished and fulfilled in Christ alone. And so I hope that you tune in, whatever, catch up, listen to the podcast, whatever we've got to do, because all of this together, we don't want you walking away saying Scripture alone and then twisting it. We don't want you walking away and saying grace alone and then living like the devil. We don't want you walking away saying faith alone and forgetting any of the fullness of the work of Christ within you. We've we got to hear it all. We want all of God's Word, all of these timeless truths presented to us. This is how God has revealed Himself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You. Because we sit here and we realize, we realize the ways that we have fallen short. The ways that even people sitting here before You have been plagued and attacked with temptation, with anger, with greed, with worry, with lust, with envy, with whatever, anger or impatience. Father, maybe we've wanted to work our own way to salvation. 
Maybe our sin is diminishing your gospel. Maybe our sin has been laziness from not presenting these gospel truths to those around us. We recognize, we watch the news, we talk to our co-workers, and we realize just how fallen and how broken and how sinful this world is. And Lord, now we have a hard question to answer. Why are we not preaching your gospel? Father, I pray that if anything comes out of this message, that we are burdened with the souls of men. Lord, that we would love what you loved. And that while the world was yet a sinful world, while we were yet sinners, we were your enemies. And it was your people who nailed you to the cross. You loved first. Father, make us a loving people. Work, work out your will. Work out this salvation in us. Make us to be what you've declared us already to be so. Even that passage in Ephesians says, listen, you have brought us to all of this for works you've prepared. Father, we want to, we want to be put to work. We want to be vessels for your purposes. Father, we pray that you grant us faith, that you work in the hearts of our friends. Lord, that people would put their trust in you. Lord, if anything, we have seen, we are seeing how, how governments are failing and how our entertainment is failing. Lord, our churches are failing. Lord, we ask only that You would make Yourself known. Show us Your glory. Make our faces to shine from having interacted with You by Your Spirit and in Your Word. Father, it's this prayer and faith, Lord, that is our lifeline as we rely upon You and You alone. Lord, we ask all of this in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to New Life Baptist Preaching. Our goal is to help you and equip you to serve in the way God is calling you. This is where we grow in relationships, we grow in discipleship, and we grow together in Jesus Christ. We hope that you continue to tune in and to subscribe so that you don't miss a single Sunday.